Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 46 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. If you are following along closely, you'll notice that we are a day or say 10 hours behind in day 19 of the daily podcast adventure. We could think about that word behind and decide who's determining. If we're saying daily, right, there is that sense of there wasn't one released on the 19th of November in any time zone. We've had a few of those graces extended to us through the universe. And I thought about this yesterday. So the day was going on. There were many daytime activities and I'd planned the podcast for the evening But then we decided as a family to play some games, to watch Hamilton the first half. My husband hadn't yet seen it. My daughter was very eager to show it to him. And then I learned that the play, The Bright Star from Ashland High School, was available for a live stream. And this is where we lived for the better part of the past six years. We had some classmates of my oldest son who were in the play, and I've always enjoyed their productions. It's this return to theater, and these are the gifts of the time. We were able to participate, actually pretty high quality, of the video and the audio, and so I decided to watch that, which you might imagine is quite late in the Eastern time zone, and Dr. Funke will will talk about organizing sleep appropriately. When it finished, highly recommend, if you can see it anywhere you are, I think you can still live stream it if you want to the next two days. I can put a link for that in the show notes. It's written, the music is by Edie Brickell and Steve Martin, and that was a huge driver for me to watch it. Brilliant concepts and plots and music, brilliant performers, so highly recommend. And so when it wrapped up, it was already pretty late, and I debated. I did some prep work for the podcast in so much as looking up the words that were going to be the inspiration for it and debated. I got my phone out. I sat and I thought, is now the time? And I decided, no, now is the time to go to sleep. And as I did, I had this thought, well, maybe, maybe this is the messy middle rearing its head. I wouldn't even say ugly head because I don't think it has to be problematic or put that connotation on it and say, okay, Maybe this is it. We talk about losing time in those later rounds of the workout. We're in this arc and in our recreated internal arc, this is still coming toward the middle, still on that upswing potentially, but seeing, okay, this can happen and we can decide what we want to make it mean. If it has to be a problem, we could look at some strategies. My colleagues, many of them will batch podcast episodes or record them all at once so they're ready to release at a certain specific day and time. The predictability of that is really helpful. I think of the Pavlov's dog experiment and the random reinforcement being challenging. And so I'm not closed to considerations, but I'm also fascinated by how things are unfolding and what lessons we can take from them in the moment. Now, we've been working through 
the different saboteurs and ways that we operate, the gifts and strengths of them, looking at some comparisons and taking cues from the work of Shirzad Shamin with Positive Intelligence. I've put the link to that in the show notes as well. You can learn more on the website. You can take your own assessment and see which of these resonate with you, match your current common tendencies. And it's been an opening and evolution. The one we're going to talk about today, and I've alluded to this in past episodes as well, is the hyper-rational. And this is the one that ranks highest on my list. So we might look and say, hmm, was there some resistance, right? Some subconscious reason that I wasn't ready to record this one at the right time? And on the surface level, when I check in with myself, I would say no, because it's actually quite fascinating for me to talk about this and see how it comes up. But I could also see where maybe, right, when you're in a confessional space, maybe there's hesitation. So there's always room to explore what's going on, what's coming up for us. So let's dive in. And I'll share that I've had the pairing of words over the last three episodes. This is episode four and what we'll I would say likely be 10, they'll probably be the nine specific and then the one wrap up as we move through this. And you might know, right, that you would think, what? You should have 11. But I'm embracing the capacity to have different numbers show up and be okay with that. So the first being rational, I've had an alliterative pairing each time. We've had avoidance and agreement, control and care, achieve and abandon. And as I was considering the partnered word here, I wasn't totally convinced of what I wanted to offer. The original balance point, as you'll see as we dive into this for rational, I was thinking emotional and maybe even allowing those two words, even though they didn't start with the same letter because the expression was best matched, most representative. I looked up some synonyms for emotional and I didn't really feel the vibe with any of them as they emerged. And then as I was about to come into that. So we could see some reasons for the pause, right? Late night, watch a different show, prioritized family, was being tired, decided to go to sleep, talking about my own specific one. So maybe there's resistance there. And then not having the perhaps most precise or aligned pairing of words, all of those might have been reasons for the stall. So notice that sometimes. If something isn't happening in the time frame you might have expected, see what reasons there might be. There's a ration happening right there, right? And perhaps consider some others. And that might be the emotional piece or what we're going to dive into as reactive. And I'll talk to you about why when we get there. So let me tell you this. When I took my saboteur assessment, you answer questions, right? And then you get this result and it ranks the nine of them with the highest percentage of one for you. And then it has kind of a ranking trickling down. Now for me, the first time I took this, and even in the reassessment, hyperrational was almost off the charts, right? almost a perfect score of most represented saboteur for me. And when I read it, I thought, well, that's great. Right? Rational is fantastic. Who wouldn't want that? And I thought I had won the saboteur lottery. And as I learned about it, when you're in the program and you're gaining more insight into it, that was affirmed initially. Seeing the strengths of it was where I tuned in. And perhaps that is a safety and security mechanism. But as I learned some of the challenges of it and the things it can interrupt, inhibit, prevent for you, I thought, ooh, maybe this isn't one I want to totally wear as a badge of honor. And maybe it's one that I can gain insight so that 
it isn't contributing to limitations, particularly in relationships and in connection, which are very important to me. As a six on the Enneagram, a loyalist, those are key pieces. But it offered me some insight as to where some struggles might come up. And so while I can still very much appreciate the benefits of it, I can rationalize those pretty well, I have greater awareness of when I am doing that and using that tool, that gift, that skill set in a way that actually isn't serving my health, right? my health personally, my health externally in different relationships. And I can engage with that in a different way. It also cued me into something that we've talked about in different episodes, that there can be this tendency not to tune into feelings or not to acknowledge that others are really tuning into and operating from feelings. And it can feel almost embarrassing to say, here might be some of the hesitation, that it hadn't resonated with me in such a powerful way until I heard it spoken through this lens. When you utilize this operating system as your dominant way of interacting, you might find that relationships are challenged and there can be some blocks in empathy. And while again, that can feel like a confession to make, it was also a really beneficial space to be to say, oh, that might be what's contributing to some of these challenges I experience in certain relationships. So I offer that to you. When you take the assessment, notice what comes up for you around it. Notice the judgment you might have about what is your predominant means. And this one was by a long shot, right? There were others that came in, but they were all similarly ranked, but much lower on the percentile, if you will. So let's dive in to some of the meanings of rational. And here we do have the essential and the full meanings available. Now, of course, I want to know why some words get this categorization, why some don't, and I want to learn more about it. Fascinating to me. So thinking about rational being based on facts or reason, and that part, right? Great. Okay, that seems fantastic. The same sentence continues, and not on emotions or feelings. Now, many of you may know, some of you might not, the quote from Aristotle made famous, or made more famous, let's say, by the movie Legally Blonde. And we look at this there, the law is reason free from passion, saying that we should stay in that space of reason and logic and not let emotions contribute to the ruling. And we could look at this from all different angles, and I'm sure so many pre-law and law students and philosophy students look at this and say, is that what's happening? Is that what should be happening? Is that helpful for us? We're coming through right now a ruling right, that leads to and further division in the country of perspectives and opinions and responses and reactions. We're going to get to that in a moment. And we can say where the facts are, where the feelings are, see how they coexist, see how they interact. And what is really profound for me in this space is making the assumption that feelings aren't involved. So perhaps they aren't being utilized in the decision-making process or the assessment process, but they're still there. And that's the piece that I think is so important to notice. And so if you're with me and you're thinking too, like rational is great. We want ration and we want rational thinking and we want to be able to see where this all comes from. Absolutely. We're in this together. So it can seem like the beneficial word, but if it becomes sterile and inhumane and disconnected, 
Right? Do we still want that to be the way in which we are engaging? And the point here and the point of all of these is to say it doesn't have to be all or none. And can there be ways that we engage and embrace the benefits and gain awareness and recognize where perhaps we need some clarity around where it does limit our humanity, our connection, our capacity for love, for health. That still remains the ultimate mission and vision here at this osteopathic life. So seeing that rational can have us taking the facts and reason and putting it here and putting a wall up around the emotions and feelings for fear that they will suck us in, they will influence us inappropriately, that they will expose our vulnerability, right? There can be all kinds of reasons, often based in fear that we're keeping them separate. It can feel like a safe decision to do that. But knowing that we are feeling beings, the feelings are always happening, they're in our body, they're driving our actions. And so if we're tuning out to them, we're actually losing awareness of what's happening in our lives. And if we pretend they're not there, if we ignore them, we also limit the capacity to see how others are living and being and connecting in the world. And that wall can be a significant block to connection to ourselves, to the capacity to give and receive love, to engage fully in relationships, to have a deeper sense of knowing than the facts can provide us. Looking at another definition, having the ability to reason or think about things clearly. And again, that sounds fantastic. Think about things clearly. Let's have more of that. Let's have more clear thinking, but not for the abandonment of understanding that human emotional experience. And can there be some of both? Can we acknowledge it? Can we let ourselves feel it and still hold that clarity and understanding? Having reason or understanding relating to, based on, or agreeable to reason. We can look at rational numbers, of course, involving only multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, and only a finite number of times. So that one, you might think, why are you reading a math definition for rational? But just seeing that, there are limitations. We can only break down the facts so far. But I would say the feeling experience can be infinite. There's so many ways we can feel about things. There are ways feelings show up. They feel different for different people. They can drive different actions for different people. There are so many ways to engage and understand. So a rational can offer a very sturdy framework. And we always talk about the relationship of structure and function. We're not taking that away. We're not undoing that. We're not undermining that. All puns intended there. But there can be a certain framework. There can be a way a house is framed out. And there can be so many different ways that it is finished, that it is designed, that it is decorated. And I'm not talking about decoration in the glittery, superficial way. Although, right, glitter, we could talk about that. And does it have a space in the rational world? Does it even have a space in the emotional world? Even some of my most creative, some of my most feelings-oriented friends and colleagues still have some maybe not-so-great feelings about glitter. In any case, it's about making it our own, personalizing it, humanizing it. Right? We can take this kind of cold, sterile, wooden structure, metal structure, and then put these textures and these textiles and tapestries into it and make it welcoming and cozy. We can see the personality come through. We can see the purpose 
come through, right? We can have that framework and then the ultimate details of it can look different in many different ways. And so bringing that definition and looking at the finite number of times, it's also okay to have limits and boundaries, but it can also change our access, our availability, our approach when we let feelings in or we acknowledge that they're always there. We don't have to let them in necessarily. They're not not there. We can turn and acknowledge them. So when we think about rational and notice with the saboteur, it's hyper-rational. So it's not denying the benefits of rational, but with all of them, it's taking them to the extreme. If it is the only way in which we can engage the world or if we allow it to drive us to exclude and ignore the emotion, energy, human connection related and presented in feelings, what is the cost there? What might we be missing out on for upholding that so say aggressively? So as I said, emotional was my first thought of the partnered word. And we've talked here. It's come in as an alternative and how it might be representative of the concept of not being exclusively rational. But react, a reactive came up. And I thought, well, there we go. There's an R word. And it makes some sense to me, right? I can rationalize why it comes through. So let's look at reactive first. And then we'll bring in some of the definitions around react because they're occasionally limited when it's a certain form of the word. So of relating to or marked by reaction, which can be readily responsive to a stimulus or occurring as a result of stress or emotional upset. And again, looking at reactive initially, oftentimes this is judged as a bad thing in society, that we are reactive, we're not proactive, we're not just active, we're reactive. We're coming at something. It can be seen as loud and explosive. It can be seen as associated with being angry. But what if right, we look at these definitions of reactive, readily responsive to a stimulus? So what if it is an active nimble awareness, the ability to see something and engage with it? The capacity to acknowledge right, feelings and to come through and from feelings. In this one, it feels like an admission, not in the confessional way we just saw, but it's being more upfront about the fact that we are acting in relation to our feelings and that that's always happening. Even when we're acting rationally, it's coming through a feeling and it might be a feeling of confidence or stoicism or focus or motivation, whatever that might be, but it's still coming through feelings. It just might be that we have decided certain feelings are the ones with which we're willing to engage and others we have deemed inappropriate, uncomfortable, unhelpful. And so we've put them in a different space. But reactive is someone saying, look, there are feelings and there are these actions that are coming from them. And so it's actually giving us a clearer picture of what's already happening in our lives. So seeing those possibilities here begins to open up what reactive, reacting, the react can offer to us. Another option here is to exert a reciprocal or counteracting force or influence. We've talked through control. We have the word force in here. And so we could look at what comes up for us with those components. But what I hear is balance to exert a reciprocal or counteracting force or influence to me says something is being pushed 
right? And I'm going to offer leverage to find a balance point. And you could think of it as resistance or being against something. But what if we allow it to mean, right, that this reaction, seeing something tipping one way and my reaction to it to exert a reciprocal force might help to prevent it from spilling, falling over, right? Hold it in balance. What if that's an option? To change in response to a stimulus. There too, we can see some of that flexibility, right? Reactivity is acknowledging that something else is coming in. And perhaps it is an internal stimulus, our own feelings. Perhaps it is being able to be more receptive in the environment, thinking about those gifts of empathy, noticing how and what other people are feeling, And we talk about being responsible for our own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Totally true. We can't directly change those of others around us. And that one, you can imagine, I put that stake in the ground, that line in the sand, very firmly. But we can absolutely notice. And yes, I'm going to open up to this. We can feel other people's feelings, right? That energy being shared and transmitted in the world and the space around us. And we can be more or less swayed by them. And there can be benefits, perceived, real, however we want to look at them, from being able to not be rocked by them in medicine. Often that's the ask of us, right? To be with people on the highest highs and the lowest lows in their lives, the hardest and the most painful moments, the most beautiful and exciting moments, and to not ride those waves of emotion with them. And there can be benefits to being able to hold steady, particularly think in times of emergency when we need to not get sucked into all the emotions so that we can make challenging decisions, life or death decisions in that moment. And also acknowledge that all those feelings are still happening. They're still coming into us. We're still being inundated with them. And if we don't process them, that can be a significant contributor to burnout. If we pretend that they're not there, if we ignore them, if we bottle them up, they're still present and they're likely going to come out in some less than desirable ways, and perhaps in some dangerous ways. So being responsive to stimuli is an invitation from React that we can choose to accept. To act in opposition to a force or influence. Again, here, we could see force, opposition. It could seem resistant. It could seem problematic. Or it could seem like, oh, willing to hold a boundary, to see something coming in to recognize when that's appropriate and to be able to say, no, I'm not caving, I'm not giving in to this. I'm going to hold my ground. To move or tend in a reverse direction. That could be seen as backing away, reacting, something big, explosive is coming at you and you react or recoil. Maybe you hide, maybe you duck and cover. That can be really helpful to be able to tune into that. It can also be paralyzing. So we can see the limits and the opportunities in each of these. React, to undergo chemical reaction. And that one too, just like with the math definition, you might think, why? Why is this one being included? But thinking back, and chemistry really was one of my favorite classes in high school and in college, even though organic chemistry was my greatest challenge, I think of all classes ever that I have taken, and likely because of the time required, right? And not being able to get all the work done in class, which was my norm. And there were some acts of patience that were required of that. Maybe I had some feelings I could tune into to have addressed that better in the time. But to undergo a chemical reaction for thinking about reacting, and there's change happening there. And if we think about that the only 
constant is change in life and the asks of us to be nimble, to evolve, to adapt. And being very clear here, not in the fitting in sense, but keeping the belonging piece, but noticing that there are variables happening all the time. There are shifts in our environment and being able to accommodate them and engage with them is part of the success and the continuation of humanity. We might say the human species, right? If I wanted to get rational, I would think, no, it's what's keeping the human species going. Is it keeping humanity going? Interesting how that came up and what we could open up in dialogue there. But it's changing, right? It's two things, more things coming together and becoming something new on the other side that holds components of each. And if I think about React as that way to be vulnerable enough to offer up what you have, to recognize what another has, and to come out on the other side with a changed product that has components of the both of you. And we could look at that in the systems. Can we offer up ideas and can we see what exists and we can recognize needs and put it together and know that some parts might fall away. Some will be reallocated. They'll still be present, but represented in a different way. And can we create something new together? Is that an opportunity from React? So as we look at this one, think about rational and reactive and see what your opening considerations were. Which one did you identify with? Which one did you value or rank more highly? Which one did you judge more critically? Which one is a tendency for you? And how might you benefit from finding a way to incorporate components of each? to see the strengths, the gifts, the opportunities that exist in the rational space, what insights you can gain, how you can help to structure and to lead and to create, and when might it be gone too far and be limiting you from being able to see more of the connection and beauty and power of different ways of experiencing the world. And how might reactive be a gift? Mean that you are responsive. You are helping to balance. You are holding up your boundaries. You're willing to engage and create something new. And when might it be limiting? When is it explosive and abrasive and resistant and counter to? How might we find those sweet spots within each of these to allow us to continue that journey for ourselves, for our relationships, for ideas and projects in the world around us, and listen to that call and see that we absolutely can be for the health of all things. I thank you for joining me on this journey. There will be another episode today. We're going to navigate this messy middle together in beautiful ways, in thoughtful ways, in emotional ways, feeling full ways, or if you think about thoughtful, maybe we can bring feeling full into the space as well. And if you'd like to dive deeper, visit me at thisosteopathiclife.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll learn about opportunities where we can come together in community to explore these ideas rationally, emotionally, where we can react and reclaim our feeling selves and work together in this process. Check the show notes for those resources and I will see you again later today for number 20. That's going to be so exciting in this monthly journey. 
This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.